ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Apollo Men's Health in League City. Here now are The Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank on Branham. B-Mac out here, on-site engineer Joe George back at the Gal Palacious Estates in the gallery area. We're broadcasting live from Apollo Men's Health, the new location, third location for Dr. O in League City. You got the balloons out here, you got the blue carpet, and he's about to cut the tape. Pretty cool. Pretty cool seeing this. Ribbon cutting to see my good friend Dr. O open up his third location. Sixth year in business, so he keeps on rolling along. I know he was nervous and excited, but there's a good crowd outside, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be here till 6. Come out and see us if you're, you're in the League City area. It's a Chamber of Commerce day, and he's got Indeed. the Chamber of Commerce out here, so he can cut the tape for his new business. But congratulations to Coach O, or Dr. O, I should say. Yeah, yeah, Coach, Coach O's, O's the a other guy. story. <laughs> is the other guy. <laughs> uh, but congratulations to Dr. O. Houston Texans, they lose a football game yesterday. They fall to 0-2 on the year. Look, this is uh, there's a lot of different uh, ways to look at this. We're going to talk about this in every detail from a D'Amico Ryan's point of view, from a C.J. Stroud point of view, who put up huge numbers yesterday, from a defensive point of view that did not play very well against a backup quarterback for most of the game and an Indianapolis Colts offense that was without its best player, quite frankly, in, in Jonathan Taylor. I don't know how you entered the game yesterday, Blankers, but we talked about this a lot last week that, you know, look, this is a game where you're currently favored. It started up, started out, Texans were favored. Uh, it was taken off the board a little bit with the injury news. I'm not sure where it landed, actually. I, I didn't look at it Sunday. I don't know if the Texans were favored. Colts were favored by a point. But it was a toss-up game. And it was against a team that you had a victory over in the final week of last year. It's a team that's in the same plight as you, right? New head coach, rookie quarterback. Both teams won four games a year ago. This, to me, was a winnable game for yeah. the Houston Texans, even with the injury news, even with no Laramie Tunsil. A winnable game regardless. No, it really was going in. I mean, you and I had a little bit of reservations when we heard Stroud was put on the injury, injury list. And, and you knew that this was a game that when we were doing all of our scheduled prognostications, uh, we looked at it as a winnable game for this team. And you're at home. You've got a new kind of regenerated feeling in the stadium. The fans are fired up. They're coming back in droves because they believe. And they believe that – this is the team. The unfortunate thing, Jeremy, is the thing that I keep going back to because it's the thing that you and I said from the moment that the trade was made on draft night. It changed everything, and I think that's what mucks all of this up so much. This was still a good effort by your Houston Texans. This shouldn't have been a game that you were favored in, to be quite honest with you, but this shouldn't have been a game where if you didn't win it, people would suffer such a massive letdown. But the problem being is you know that with each loss, that, and especially losses that look like this, that you're setting yourself up for what could have been that, again, for the second year in a row in the draft, won't be. Mm-hmm. And I think that changes the complexion of the feeling of so many people following this team. Yeah, I'm fatigued of having the black cloud conversation with this team. I don't know how you can avoid it. You like can't. Every single result is something that you're going to bring up. Josh Beard and I had a, had a healthy disagreement on Twitter about this earlier today where he's like, this is a rebuild. I'm like, yeah, it should be a rebuild, but 
you know, teams that are in rebuilds usually don't trade their future picks unless you're trying to be a playoff team immediately or it's a franchise quarterback, and then you'll have the yeah butters. Well, it was for a franchise quarterback. No, it was for both. You know, it was for C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. The thing is, I like both guys. Like, I like yeah. C.J. Stroud. I think C.J. Stroud has the potential to be a top-ten quarterback in the NFL at every single game that I've seen him play in progressively through the preseason. I thought last week for the first game of a rookie was good for a rookie, you know, relative to the NFL. Eh. You know, week two, we'll get into it into great detail a little bit later, but a lot of promising signs. Will Anderson obviously was bigger in week one than he was yesterday. Shane Steichen's scheme is sexy, quite frankly. I was blown away uh, by Shane Steichen yesterday. Didn't allow Will Anderson to have a good game. Had a few tackles, had a few pressures, but the ball was out quick. They were getting rid of the football. They weren't allowing any pressures, and credit Shane Steichen for that, because he did it with two different quarterbacks. He did it with a rookie quarterback and Anthony Richardson, and as good of a backup that Gardner Minshew is, Gardner Minshew is a career backup what a in pivot. the NFL. What a pivot mid-game, right? I mean, you lose a guy that you've done what we were curious to see if he could do, which is take a Jalen Hurts patterned offense and pattern it over a guy with some of the similar skills that was going to be more of a run first quarterback and that because of accuracy issues and seeing what he could actually do as a quarterback the underneath routes the opening it up so that he didn't have to put it in small windows and try and thread needles was so beautifully executed during the first couple drives it showed you what Shane Steichen can do and how firm of a grasp he has on the NFL offense in today's game but then he pivots on a dime when Richardson goes out with a concussion. And the next thing you know, Gardner Minshew, who proved that he can play in this league. Gardner Minshew proved that he still has plenty of football left. Yep. But he starts opening it up a little bit more, making some tougher throws, throws on the run, executing a different kind of offense. Credit to Steichen for having all of that in the playbook. Credit to both quarterbacks for executing it to a T. I-, I thought that the scheme was pretty much the same between both, but like the run stuff was there for Richardson, where you're not going to do that with Gardner Minshew. But in terms of like getting the getting rid of the football quickly, he was doing that with both guys. I was really impressed by Anthony Richardson. I know that he played two series potentially with a concussion and didn't do anything on those last two series. I know one of his touchdown series, the second one, uh, was because of the fumble that yeah. you know was a one play drive, 18 yard read option. You know, everybody flooding the left side and Anthony Richardson all alone running into the end zone. Uh, but I thought he looked good throwing the football. I love the way that Steichen used him. Like, hey, you're not going to hold it long. You're going to be quick with your decisions. You're going to be quick with throwing the football. And he's a really good runner. Now, is he too good of a runner? Because it got him hurt, got him concussed. I can't imagine him playing uh, next week. But from a Houston Texans perspective, what did you learn in that game yesterday? I think the first takeaway for me on the positive side is is that with each passing literally – passing day and down and possession, C.J. Stroud can play in this league. C.J. Stroud has a lot of ability, and C.J. Stroud has a high enough ceiling that he's only going to get better. But because of the fact that the entire offense was predicated on an offensive line that was less than, that did not do any favors to the running game or the passing game or the offense as a whole. And we can get into some of the other things, too, as well, as it relates to Bobby Slowick and the offensive coordinator. But looking at what he had to deal with and what he was able to do and all the variety of throws that he was able to make, it was impressive to me. It was impressive. Yeah, there's going to be some stinkers. Yeah, he got away with a couple that could have been picked off that were just kind of floating ducks out there as he was scrambling. But overall, the body of work says to me, this kid can play in this league, and this kid is impressive. When you give him time and he can set his feet, he can make all the throws. 
Yeah, he can make any throw on the football field. Uh, I've been really impressed with his you know, pre-snap reads. I've been really impressed with recognizing blitz because that was something that a lot of people were concerned about uh, with Stroud coming into the NFL. How does, he, how does he handle blitz? Well, he reads it pre-snap, he recognizes it, and he's been making some pretty good throws. Not perfect. He had a couple to you – know, he had one to Tank Dell where he didn't lead him. That would have been right. a first down and a third down. Uh, same thing with Robert Woods where he let him a little short of the chain, had to go down to make the grab. Now, they ended up getting it on fourth and one, so it didn't matter a whole lot. Uh, but there's a lot of promise with C.J. Stroud. Uh, for me, the, my biggest takeaway was that the Colts are ahead of the Texans in this rebuild, quite frankly. I think that they're better right now. And I thought Shane Steichen was clearly better than D'Amico Ryans from, from jump, from the very beginning. The Indianapolis Colts ran it right down the Houston Texans' throat on that first series. And they were doing creative things, like a little bit of counter-quarterback keepers, a play-action stuff. Like, he was well-prepared for that game more than D'Amico Ryans was. And then he did it, one, he doesn't have Jonathan Taylor. Secondly, he did it with Gardner Minshew, like you mentioned a little bit earlier. The timeout that uh, Shane Steichen forced D'Amico Ryans to use about the six, seven-minute mark of the fourth quarter, that's brilliant. That's a brilliant play. And, like, there's no no risk there for the Colts. Because what happens? Like, if the Texans take their time, don't get the substitution in, the the referee never lets them snap the ball, cool, delay a game. It moves from the 45 to the 40. Not a big deal. I thought Shane Steichen – Shane Steichen really impressed me yesterday, and that's the like my biggest takeaway from the game was that Shane Steichen looked clearly better as a head coach, offensive play caller than D'Amico Ryan's that is a head coach, defensive play caller. I can see that. I think that you know we we kind of expected. I personally expected along the way this was going to be a bumpy road early for D'Amico Ryan's, just like it was going to be for Stroud, just like we're finding out it's going to be for Slowick as well. This whole coaching staff, and at least those on the coaching staff that are doing something that they've never done before on the professional level are going to suffer some bumps in the road. They're going to have some potholes along the way. I totally agree with what you're saying. Steichen, to me, was a guy I was unsure of. But the one thing I was curious about was if he was, if he was going to instill and install the, the exact same kind of offensive mentality and offensive playbook that he had in Philadelphia. Lesser weapons, maybe. He's got some really good young receivers that I don't think enough of the, the league that doesn't pay total attention realizes how good some of the weapons are that he has, yeah. not named Jonathan Taylor. But the fact of the matter was was that he totally capitalized on the skill set of Richardson. He knew when to, to, to execute the, the runs and the bootlegs. He knew how to make sure that he built confidence early in the game by the, the under routes, by giving the, the, the little pockets that open up with a little play action so that he could get it to guys. He didn't have to paint it through you know, multiple hands in a tight window. And you could see Richardson's confidence building with every single play. And it was really impressive to watch because I, I wasn't sure they were at that level yet. Yeah. And they were a well-oiled machine with both quarterbacks. Advantage Steichen for sure. I, I, the first three series of the game, I thought that Anthony Richardson was a man amongst boys. Like, he looked really good on that first drive, completing passes, running the football. And then the second drive where he basically, you know, bulldozed his way into the end zone, which, again, in hindsight, not a great decision. Like, you got to keep yourself safe even if you are a physical specimen that's bigger and faster and stronger than everybody. Like, hopefully, hopefully Richardson for his sake learns his lesson on hey maybe I need to be avoiding some contact but I thought Steichen was great I know I haven't even looked at the text line I haven't looked at the twitch yet I guarantee you they're making excuses about the safeties well Jimmy Ward didn't play well Jalen Petrie didn't play 
the Colts were without Jonathan Taylor. Like, yeah. I understand that the safety loss for the Texans is big. Now, you don't really want the safeties having to come into the box and make a lot of tackles on running plays. The linebackers were horrid yesterday, and D'Amico Ryans referred to that today and said, yeah, we need better play there. But Shane Steichen did that yesterday without Jonathan Taylor and, frankly, didn't have Anthony Richardson after the second possession because that's when he got concussed, played for two more series, which is kind of a problem. I'm bullish on the Colts' offense if they get Jonathan Taylor to buy in. He he totally exposed the Texans' run defense yesterday in, in, <laughs> in a multitude of different ways. He he showed that the Texans have a long way to go in terms of tackling, too, because there were times that the Texans would, would at the point of contact, would make a, a, a contact with multiple players. They couldn't wrap up, and, and most of these guys were getting extra yardage. They were a- ending up extending plays. You were looking at things like that going, wait a minute. They did all this, you know, added all these players and made these improvements to the front seven, and they controlled, I don't want to say controlled, but they contained Lamar Jackson to a very, very, very good level. This kid isn't Lamar Jackson yet, but you should have been able to capitalize on week one and done that and a little bit more. Instead, because of the scheme that Steichen put together, they were able to capitalize. They were able to do things. And I'll tell you this, Richardson, and this is not a bad thing at all, but Richardson early on to me, because I thought he was too, I said he was multiple times, he's two years away from being a starter in this league. He looked like Cam Newton yesterday. Shane Steichen changed that. The moment that he was drafted by Shane Steichen was the best thing that could happen for Anthony Richardson's career. 713-780-ESPN, busy show. Going to hand out NFL game balls, good and bag for the Astros over the weekend. Lots of bad. Mailbag Monday at 430, and I believe Monday's coming off the uh, college football Weekend. What did we learn from week two for the Houston Texans? What was the best thing from the game? If we want to do the whole moral victory, gross stuff, 713-780-3776. Faces of us are on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5 because we're broadcasting live at Apollo Men's Health League City. Grand opening and six-year anniversary, too, for Dr. O. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Brandon. I'm Killer Beats on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Let me tell you right now about Allstate Siding and Windows. I'm telling you about Allstate Siding and Windows because this is the time of the year that starts to get a little cooler. People think about remodeling. They're not only remodeling the inside of their houses, they're remodeling the outside. And if you're looking to stop painting all the time, staining and repairing the exterior of your home, you should think about remodeling by adding siding to your house. It's going to add value. It's going to add insulation. It's going to add so many things that's going to make your house go up in value and also be more energy efficient while keeping the, the elements out and keeping you either cool in the summer or warm in the winter. Siding is the choice of so many people because it's more durable, and with the wind and weather impact that we see in hurricane season down here in Houston, it can protect your home, and it's energy efficient, as I mentioned, where you can save on your electrical bills and do so many things better than you have been, and you'll notice it in the way that your bills go down and your house is more efficient because of the siding. Senior citizens, military, and first responders get discounts, too. What I encourage you to do is call them, 832-204-1936, 832-204-1936. Talk to them. Tell them what you got, what you're dealing with. Have them come out. Show you what they can do to make the entire house better. Or you can go to their website, allstatewindowsandsiding.com, allstatewindowsandsiding.com. Check them out. Tell them ESPN 97.5 sent you by. From the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Apollo Men's Health in League City, it's the Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Brenham. Killer Bees broadcasting live from Apollo Men's Health in League City, Dr. O's sixth year anniversary. This is third location 
a great turnout. Come on out, say hello to us. Uh, they have some food. They have some drinks. It's a, it's a celebration for the 60-year anniversary and the grand opening of the League City location. 713-780-ESPN. Lamont, uh, he has this to say on the Twitter. The Colts, all capital letters. Let me, let me, let me say that because I think it does matter. Uh, phrasing here. The Colts were without their starting quarterback. No capital letters. Making excuses about injuries for Houston's is capital letters foolish at best. Non-capital letters. I would say the Colts whooped the Texans two-dimensionally with two different quarterbacks. I don't disagree. I was going to say, tell it me was where he's a, wrong. It was a 21-point game in the third quarter. Like, this is supposed to be a team that you're in equals with. We did our predictions. We went season. We went, we went game by game. This is a game that we were chalking up for wins. And we weren't high on the Houston Texans with the win count. I think I had them at, what, five? I think you had them at four. four. Yeah. So, like, we weren't high on the Houston Texans win count, but this is a game that we both had the Texans winning. I've seen some other people that make the predictions for the Texans. Seven wins, eight wins. This is a game that everybody penciled in as a victory. You were getting smashed at home. You lost by 21. You were down by 21 points in the third quarter. You lost by 11. I understand that there was a field goal there where you could have made it a one-possession game. Whatever. You were down by 21 in the third quarter in a game that everybody expected you to win. Shane Steichen outcoached D'Amico Ryans. The Colts offense was way ahead of the Houston Texans defense. And look. C.J. Stroud had a really good fourth quarter. C.J. Stroud put up a lot of numbers in the fourth quarter. The Texans had 10 points through three. That's an advantage Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, no doubt it is. And I think that one of the things that makes it more disappointing is the fact that we said the defense was going to be ahead of the offense. We said that it looked like the defense had athletes. They had players. And they, as much as D'Amico was going to take his lumps early on as the new head coach, D'Amico's specialty is defense. That's what D'Amico has done his whole career. And having defenders to allow him to really scheme a defense seemed like the appropriate combination that would lead to success early on, no matter what the offense could or couldn't do with a rookie quarterback. So you look at all that going in and then see what they did against Baltimore, and the expectation was this is going to be a defense that's going to be able to be effective against a rookie quarterback and a team that doesn't have Jonathan Taylor. Instead, it was quite the opposite. It was nothing that anybody could have expected because the Colts did whatever they wanted. They were getting chunk plays whenever they needed. They were getting everybody involved from their receivers and their tight ends. And whether it was a running quarterback that ran rough shot or a, a, a journeyman quarterback that threw it wherever and however he wanted completing passes, this was not what any of us expected or wanted if you're a Texans fan. The Texans score outscored the Colts 10 nothing in the fourth quarter to make the illusion that they were in the game. And, look, they had a field goal opportunity, Kaimi Fairbairn, yep. with a chance to make it a one-possession game with two and a half minutes left to play. Now, Texans only had one timeout with two and a half minutes to play because, one, Shane Steichen forced D'Amico Ryan to take a timeout on a little trick play with a punt where he was never going to snap it offensively. And then, the, like, we are kind of also glossing over some D'Amico Ryan's game management. Wasn't great game one, whatever, game one yesterday. He took a timeout on the offense side of the ball with like 2.55 to play when he's about to kick a field goal to try to make it a one-possession game when you need to save that timeout for defensive purposes. Like, no one is talking about that today. No one is talking about D'Amico Ryans taking a timeout on the offensive side right before Kaimi Fairbairn missed the field goal on a third-down play. Why? Why are you doing that? You need that timeout to kill the clock defensively, and D'Amico's getting an absolute free ride on that. No, I noticed it as well. And the thing to me, you know, and other things that stuck out to me, but one of the things that stuck out to me was right before you got to the point where you were scoring 10 points in the fourth quarter, you were desperate. You were way behind the eight ball. You were down, you know, a, a large margin of points, and you were running it on first and second down. 
and I'm going, okay, where does this fall into a game plan that makes zero sense when you're down 18 points or more? When you're down that many points, there's a reason why quarterbacks build up the stats that they build up, and at the end of the year, if that's what you've done on multiple games, your stats are going to look all-world, but your win and loss column is going to be affected differently because of the fact that you have to sling it all over the yard when you're down by 10 points or more. They were down and that they were force-feeding the run still, and it's going, and I'm just sitting there frustrated wanting to throw things at the TV going, this is exactly what you should not be doing right now. You should be opening it up, taking chances, trying to throw your way back into the football game as quick as you can with a big play that hits. Instead, you're smash-mouthing it into a a, a makeshift offensive line, getting two or three yards at best. Yeah, I have a I, I have something for Bobby Sloak here in a second. I don't know if I'm ready to, to – to, I need some time to, to build up the courage, to build up the steam. Lamont makes a good point, too. Are we talking about the this is the Steichen offense that did this to D'Amico in the NFC Championship game? It's a fair point. Now, 49ers were shorthanded in that game. They were playing like running backs. At, they had, at didn't have a quarterback. Yeah, that was a, a weird game. But, look, Steichen, huge advantage over D'Amico Ryan yesterday. 713-780-ESPN. Big C says forgive him for that You know, late timeout. He's a rookie head coach. Okay. Fair point, Big C. I'll grant. I'll grant that to you. It's a fair point. When do we stop using the rookie head, head, rookie <laughs> head coach excuse by taking poor timeouts? He's done it two weeks in a row. He burned three in the first half before you got midway to the second quarter mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. So that coupled with what happened yesterday, you're going. Okay, the growing pains are there. I said there's going to be bumps in the road, but what is it? We're supposed to take it as a moral victory because instead of burning three timeouts in the first half too soon, you burnt one when you couldn't afford to burn one. We saw this with Cully. It was a point of contention. We brought it up over and over again, and it kept happening. So it is fair, fair at, certain po- at a certain point to say, hey, look, we know he's going to take some lumps, and he's, and he's going to have some growing pains, but you've got to clean that stuff up. 9572, Monday afternoon radio, nitpicking every play in game two of a rebuild. Do you all even believe half of the hot takes you day? I believe every hot take I day. Uh, Honesty three, is the best policy. Three six six sevens. Ryan uh, has never been a head coach before. Everybody was so excited about him being here, but he has no skins on the wall. Uh, laughing out loud. That's the thing. Like okay, like I'll give you, I'll give it to you. D'Amico Ryan's a rookie head coach. How long does he have that excuse? Does he have it his entire rookie year? Does he have it for four games? Does he have it for eight games? Like you tell me. When can we stop using the D'Amico Ryan's rookie excuse? And I understand he's going to be a rookie head coach the entire year. So are we giving him the whole year to make rookie mistakes? Are we giving him eight? You tell me. Jimmy, what's Shane Seven, one, three, seven eight, rookie head coach. Okay, well, I was going to say, well, there you go. That, that move that he pulled off on that pump play was genius. It was. Like, you, you just take the penalty there, too. Like, if D'Amico Ryan's counters that play well, like, communication, get the defense out there. You don't need to be in a rush because you're allowed to substitute defensively. Like, D'Amico Ryans gets him out there. Shane Steichen just taking the delay like because it's five yards. It costs you nothing because you have an NFL punter. That, that was a it's genius move by Steichen. It's, it's, it's extremely good gamesmanship that a lot of veteran coaches do, especially when you think or know this may come down to a fourth quarter when you're going to make sure that the team is a little bit more hindered than they would be otherwise because we saw it last night in the Sunday night game. Momentum can change everything. You can get rolling late in the fourth quarter, yep. but you've got to have everything go your way, including having all your timeouts in your back pocket. Was that minor? Yeah, I guess was it is it nitpicky i mean i guess he burned a timeout whenever he's down and he needs those timeouts late uh 9572 the line was won at home so did everyone really expect the texans to win this game i would say in this city doing preseason predictions most people had the texans winning at home against the colts that was their one victory but let me nitpick the text the line was won at home that's not a game that you're down by 21 in the third quarter that's right like, but, but you also look at it, too, Jeremy, and say, they were supposed to be just like you. Rookie quarterback, 
growing pains, not going to be having everything as efficient as possible and organized and tightened up. So the fact that they were coming into your house, it was your home opener, that the momentum would have been on your side, you should have been in a better position to win, and you weren't. You were playing behind the entire game, and it looked exactly like the rosters say it is. It looked like a team that's not quite there yet that we've been talking about because of the fact that the Colts already had the defense, an offensive line, and had been stockpiling young receivers, regardless of whether they had Jonathan Taylor or not. They've got more weapons. They do. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. I'm seeing this moral victory stuff on Twitter after the game. It's gross to me. I don't like this at all. And I want to get into some of the Bobby Slowick because I brought this up last week. Hey, I'm going to start paying attention to see if he's a little bit you know, overmatched, if he's a little bit overwhelmed. There was things, I, I took note of this yesterday, there was things that he was doing in the game yesterday that drove me crazy. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5, broadcasting live from Apollo's men, Apollo Men's Health in League City. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at my bookie. I've been telling you about it for quite a while. My bookie's where you need to go. If you know something about a game, feel something about a game, want to put something down, on a certain game. MyBookie.ag, they deliver, and they've been delivering for over 10 years. They are here for you from NFL to college football, baseball heading into the playoffs, soccer, UFC, you name it, you can probably bet on it at MyBookie.ag. And what I always tell you to do is remember this, this promo code BET975. It shows that you're a listener of this show. It shows you're a listener to the station, and it also gives you an opportunity to cash in on all the bonuses because this season, MyBookie has no strings attached cash bonuses that let you deposit and withdraw quickly and when you use that promo code on a deposit of $50 or more you can receive up to $200 in extra cash in your account instantly and you can use that to bet on games more games to bet on more chances to win bet your deposit amount once and you're ready to withdraw it at any time that is a huge bonus in itself again promo code bet975 claim that cash deposit bonus and the other thing you need to remember is the betting goes on even when the games don't if it's late at night no games are going on but you want to put some money down you want to have some fun have a little adventure you can go to my bookie.ag standing by live dealers you can do casino games right there with the live dealers and you can still get a piece of the action tell them that espn 97.5 sent you by by using that promo code bet 975 and cash in in the process i always tell you bet anything anytime anywhere with the only place i tell you to do it it's mybookie.ag promo code bet 975 From the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Apollo Men's Health in League City, it's the Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Brenham. Killer Bees live from Apollo Men's Health in League City, the third Apollo Men's Health in the greater Houston area, and the six-year anniversary, too, for Dr. O. Congratulations on both courts. Texans fall yesterday 31-22, the Indianapolis Colts, a game many felt the Texans could win, started out as favorites. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. I'm seeing a lot of moral victories on Twitter here, Blankers. Oh, look at the injuries. Oh, you didn't have your best left tackle. Oh, you didn't have your safeties. Oh, you had a patchwork offensive line. I've seen every excuse in the book. Like, is this the junior varsity team that's playing an overmatched city rival that we're just happy that they're giving the good effort, good try? Like, this is a professional NFL team. Well, D'Amico Ryan's rookie coach. He's one of 32 NFL head coaches. C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback. Well, he's one of 32. Like, yeah, it's a rebuild. Yeah, this team is young, et cetera, et cetera. But they're a professional football team. You can't do the moral victory, excuses, all of this stuff. And this is not only are they a professional football team, they're a professional football team that was favored to win this game. They were. But I think that that was a misstep by a lot of people because I think that when we look at this roster, I, I, 
I, not that I was ready to say it was another year of embrace the suck, but I wasn't ready to anoint them taking that phase two next step as we talk about it as it relates to like Tillman and the Rockets use that, that term phase two. I don't think they were ready to take phase two yet. They set themselves up to have to take phase two based on what they did in the draft and in the offseason. But the fact of the matter is, when you look at it, you got to call it like you see it. Look, I still believe D'Amico's Ryan is going to be a good head coach in this league and that better days are coming. But you had to expect that these kind of lumps were also going to come along the way as he got his feet wet and got, you know, tried to figure things out. This offensive line was horrible. You couldn't run the ball because of it. This is the second week in a row that Stroud, as good as he's looked, could have probably done a whole hell of a lot better had you had the kind of offensive line that you constructed in the offseason. So you got to kind of pick and choose by, by saying the positives and the negatives. Now, if you want to sit there and make excuses, that's a different story because making excuses for a team that's clearly ahead of the curve compared to you, clearly more talent, clearly more organization, clearly a better offensive scheme, those are all things that I don't know how you can argue. But I think that from a Texans perspective, without drinking a full 32-ounce big gulp of the blue Kool-Aid and, and looking for nothing but sunshine and rainbows, you do see some bright spots, but you have to understand, this team's not there yet. Yeah, they're, they're not there yet. Here was D'Amico after the game, because a lot of people making excuses for the injuries, one of those people, not D'Amico Ryans. I thought CJ did a really good job uh, managing the offense. He did a really good job. You know, guys around him play a little better. Uh, but CJ does that every week. He just built on what he, he built on what he did last week. Continues to uh, put the ball where we need it. Right, make good decisions with the football. So I'm encouraged by CJ's play, and he got better this week. I don't think that was the right one. D'Amico Ryan's uh, talked about the injury. Said it's no excuse. We're not going to be a team that's going to make excuses for injuries. If you're out there, you need to do your job. Uh, we, we asked, too, we, we asked the listeners, hey, how long do you give D'Amico Ryan's the excuse of a rookie head coach? Go, go, uh, go dog, go on Twitch. Uh, D'Amico gets half a year. Not upset this game because I expect a learning curve for coaches, players. Learn from your mistakes. Second half of season better than the first. That's what I'm looking for. I think that's fair. It is fair. Now, you bring up the Shane Steichen thing. Like, he's also getting outclassed by a rookie head coach. Like, this wasn't a five-year NFL head coaching vet. This is another guy who's coaching in his second-ever uh, NFL head coaching appearance. Here's the answer, Jeremy, but it's not the one that everybody wants to hear, okay? You can say that Steichen, because he was an offensive-minded coach, took a rookie quarterback and an offense and was able to put his stamp on it, and you saw the results. But the problem is, is D'Amico's a defensive-minded coach that had a whole lot of weapons, and he got a very high draft pick on the defensive side of the football, and we saw a lot of positives in week one that made us believe we're going to build on that, and we're going to see more of that at home against a, a less-than-Lamar Jackson-type quarterback and offense that you could really take advantage of, and we did not see that. Seven one three seven eight zero espn Here's the issues that I had with Bobby Slowick, too. Because, look, you spent a little bit of time there complaining about D'Amico. Bobby Slowick is a bigger issue so far, and just still two games. First off, I think the Texans succumbed to the public pressure of get, give Damian Pierce the ball. Like, you heard D'Amico Ryan say it as soon as that game was over last week. You heard him say it in his Monday press conference a week ago. We have to give Damian Pierce the football, and you will see that. This team is not really equipped to give Damian Pierce the football. And, like, I've seen some people banging on Damian Pierce. This offensive line is not going to sit there and run block you to four or five yards per carry. And the Colts started off that game just absolutely dominating the ground game defensively. I understand that C.J. Stroud ended up throwing the ball, you know, 47 times or whatever it was. I think it's a game where he throws it over 50. 
Yeah, you know what you do here in that situation, Jeremy, is you play the media all week long. You talk about how we got to run the ball more. You do a lot of things that the Texans were doing, and then you do the exact opposite. You come out slinging the rock and realizing that you are behind the eight ball with this offensive line, running the ball and passing the ball. And in order to try and make do and make what you have to do work, you have to do something that they showed when they were doing that. It was the only efficient way to run the offense, which was the quick throws, which was getting the ball out of his hands quickly, which was doing things you know, with slants and underneath and quick uh, out passes so that you could get the offense to get you some yards because you saw from Damian Pierce and anybody else that tried to run the football, including a quarterback that a lot was still running for his life, that it took the snap of a finger, and the next thing you know, one of the D linemen was in the backfield or an edge rusher was pl- plugging up the edge that you were trying to get to. And you had to take that to heart and realize, okay, I can't do this right now because i got to try and stay in this football game. And in the third quarter, late, they were still running the ball on consecutive plays, and now you're down double digits going, you, you tried it before and it didn't work. Why? But now you're trying to do it when time is running out and the time is of the essence to get back into the football game. Why? Yeah. Poor poor red zone offense. I think that's always a tell for offensive coordinators. Like a good offensive coordinator can scheme up some good stuff that can get you into the end zone. Didn't think the Texans did that a whole lot yesterday. Did it well yesterday. Uh, Stroud, there was also a moment in the game yesterday in the second half when you're down by 18 points. So this is after the Texans got the field goal. They trimmed a 21-point deficit down to an 18-point deficit. Slowick is running play action in the second half down by 18. The Colts have just dominated the running game all afternoon. They have zero respect with you running the football. They're not going to buy on a play-action pass. They're not going to buy that. That's not going to deke them. That's not going to confuse them. And on top of that, you can't protect. So it's a slow-developing play, play-action. you got to protect a little bit longer. The Colts already don't respect the running game. They don't respect your offensive line. Running play-action in that spot is borderline stupid. Yeah, that, that, that kind of you know same kind of thing I'm talking about too, with just running the football just flat out. But what you were doing was not what you're supposed to do when you're down in the late at stages of the third quarter, or as you were mentioning in the fourth quarter, especially when you're only down a touchdown and you're in panic mode. You're you're, you're trying to you're trying to get back into the football game, and you know time is not on your side. You can't be taking up chunks of time and also not getting chunks of yardage by just continuing bullheadedly to jam the ball into the line or try to do things your line, quite frankly, is not capable of doing for you. Yep. And that's something where, again, we talk about the, uh, the adaptation on the fly. The fact that on the fly, Steichen's able to go from a running quarterback where he was really having success to more of a, a Garden, Gardner Minshew type that is not going to run the football unless he absolutely has to, but you still have ways of being able to open it up and make sure he can make throws to get comfortable, to get warm, and then get the offense rolling with confidence. He did both of those things. Bobby Slowick didn't do it even from the start of the game to the middle of the game to the end of the game. There was a third and uh, third and long. I think it was late third quarter. You're down by a bunch of points, and he runs a halfback screen, which is fine. Like, I, hey, sometimes you need to do that with what the defense is going to show you. You you expect a lot of pressure. You think you can get some blockers out in front. You think you can you know you can uh, open up a big play that gets you converts a third and long. I don't mind halfback screens on third and long. Love Tank Dell. He's not great at blocking. No, not the biggest guy. Exactly not going to be a about. great blocker. Tank doesn't make a block. You get to the backfield. You hit Damian Pierce for like a gain of two. You have to punt. I don't mind the halfback screen. Sometimes you have to do that with what, the, the way the defense is playing it. I, you I can't Ro- have Tank Dell being a lead blocker in front of a halfback screen, man. I think Robert Smith actually on the broadcast made note of it too, going, there's a lot of things that they brought in Tank Dell for, and blocking was not one of them. I mean – Tell me who he's going to block and be effective blocking. That's that's a rough one. But, 
again, I keep just looking at it and harping on the fact that it, you did have some success. You did have some plays that were working for you, and your quarterback showed you that sometimes those windows were tight. Sometimes those throws were tough. He was capable of making them, but then you didn't choose to try and allow him to put him in that spot in the best position to execute him when you needed more points. 713-780-ESPN. Slowick again. Look, still too early to call. I get it. Still way too early to call. Was not impressed with game one, not impressed with game two. Uh, yes, he doesn't have the full complement. Yes, it's a rookie quarterback, but a rookie quarterback that can do good things and is capable. The offensive line, brutal. I get all of that, but just something to pay attention to. Uh, zero five four two. relax, guys. It's game two. Texans have sucked for years. Give it time. This is why you suck for so long. I guess we're the reason they suck so long. Uh, so ready to blow it all up after two games. We're not trying to blow anything up. We're calling what we see. I don't think we've suggested a single change, honestly. No, absolutely not. And I saw people on Twitter going at Dalton Schultz saying he made a bad business decision and this was a mistake and, and he's not panning out for what you gave him. You gave him a one-year deal at nine-plus million dollars, and you know what? Things are going to be okay because of the fact that he's going to get better throughout the season. Yeah. And when there's more time and an offensive line, he's going to have more opportunities to do things. Stroud missed the one where he got open, kind of flared out, and, and got open towards the sideline. And, and those things are going to be more of a timing issue that they're going to connect on later. I'm not ready to close the door on Dalton Schultz two, two games in. He also had a flat-out drop. Like, mm-hmm. let's, let's throw in a flat-out drop by Dalton Schultz, too. Like, let's tell both sides of the story. 713-780-ESPN. Let's, let's go around the league. Not around the league. But let's hand out some game balls from around the NFL. Who deserves a game ball with Week 2 performances? It's the Killer Bees broadcasting live from Apollo Men's Health in Lee City on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. But i got to tell you about Pro Dunk Hoops. Look, it is going to soon be the season for basketball. We're less than 50 days away from the college basketball season. Uh, preseason professional basketball will be opening up soon, and the weather, fingers crossed, will be improving here shortly as well. So it's time for you to make a move and get a, dunk, a goal from Pro Dunk. They make the highest quality basketball goals you'll find, unlike anything you'll find in the big box stores. Tempered glass backboard, a breakaway rim, stainless steel hardware, rust proof, and it's height adjustable all the way from 5 feet all the way up to 10 feet for a variety of things. You want to play with, you know, throw down some slam dunks, you can do that. You want to work on your shot or regulation goal, you can do that. And their accessories are next level. LED light kits for night play. Look, it gets a little dark, right? Or it gets a little hot, so you want to play in the evening. We'll get the LED light kits to do that. Backstop nets, you don't have to chase the basketball around. Pull pad lettering and lots, lots more. You can order everything, including professional installation online. That's right. The pros at Pro Dunk will professionally install your goal at the perfect height, perfectly straight. You don't have to pick up a level. You don't have to touch a ladder. You don't do a thing. Let the pros do all of the work for you from Pro Dunk. Call 281-351-9822 and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Insert random audio clip now. What's the recommended amount of dedicated wham I should have to serve? Listen up. This is so easy. Do you want the most money for your used car? Do you want a hassle-free process? Of course you do. Give Me the Vin is A-plus rated by the BBB. That's Better Business Bureau, baby, and thousands of online reviews. Give Me the Vin will beat your written CarMax offer or write you a check for 100 bucks. It's that simple. Get the most money for your used car right now at GiveMeTheVin.com, America's best car buyer. Sell us your car. GiveMeTheVin.com. 
The excitement of Space Cowboys baseball is on ESPN 92.5. Listen to every hit, pitch, and big play of the 2023 season right here on your home for the Sugarland Space Cowboys, ESPN 92.5. Wednesday, Houston Dynamo FC continues their two-game homestand against the Vancouver Whitecaps at Shell Energy Stadium. Match coverage begins Wednesday night at 7, following the bullpen with Joe George on ESPN 97.5. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Consult your healthcare provider before use. Introducing Vinia, a breakthrough superfood with a full matrix of polyphenols from the red grape. Enjoy the health benefits of a bottle of red wine minus the alcohol, sugar, and calories. I used to take naps in the afternoon, but I can tell you this. After taking Vinia for a week, no more naps. I've had more clarity than I ever have had before. I can think, I can drive, I can do things without any hesitation. It's like smooth energy all day long. I can enjoy life. I can be more productive. You'll feel the difference. Try Vinia. In a clinical trial, Vinia significantly increased the dilation of arteries. This dilation increases your blood flow and the delivery of oxygen and nutrients to your brain, heart, and other tissues supporting heart health and improving your physical energy and mental alertness. Use code RADIO to get 10% off your first order at ordervinia.com. That's ordervinia.com. Ordervinia.com. Vinia, better blood flow, better life. Well, it's another hot summer in Houston, Houston, and that means radio signals are most affected by tropospheric ducting. So remember all of your options. Your FM radio presets, 97.5 and 92.5, your free smartphone app or ESPN97.5.com that you can run through your car speakers. And don't forget Twitch, where your ducting is not tropospheric. ESPN 97.5, you have options. to the Killer Bees, live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Apollo Men's Health in League City. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Let's hand out some game balls. Who deserve game balls for week two in the NFL season? Lots of good play around the league, as you should expect, every single uh, week in the NFL. One person already texted in a game ball, 713-780-ESPN, if you want to throw out some game balls as well. Uh, Tony Lone Star, how about freaking Baker Mayfield about uh, that? Dude has some real zip on the ball. Holy cow, did you see some of those throws? He's always had zip. He's always had zip. The question's been, like, can he be accurate? Can he see a game through? He's always had a good again? amount of athleticism. Who'd they beat? Uh, I'm slipping. It's a minor, so it's right, it's a minor right, league team. It's, right. it's a minor league team. I don't know if anybody that, likes them. You see the interception that fields through? Oh, my good boy. Yeah, that's not the OC's fault, Joe. That didn't look so good. Yeah, he's, when did uh, I blame the OC? No, I'm saying I told you in week one that all the calls on the Chicago uh, flagship radio yeah. station at halftime was just killing the OC. Yeah, uh, let me just uh, go to at Joe George Radio on Twitter here. Uh, there was this tweet that went out: CJ Stroud has thrown more throwing yard has has more games thrown for over 300 yards than Justin Fields. Uh, so here's my tweet: One quarterback will be good, one never will be. In three years, Justin has never been as good as CJ was on Saturday. Justin Fields sucks. There. Ouch. He's Fields not has good. won a football game. Yeah. I'll, I'll cash it. I'll cash it. But Fields has won a couple of football games. Not many, though. Like six. Fields is not good. I agree with you. <laughs> you think if Fields had Shane Steichen as his OC, he'd be no. better? Yeah, no. No, no doubt no, about he it. he can't throw the no. ball. I think he would. Yes, he'd be much better with Shane Steichen. I don't agree. And he'd have easier throws to make. Shane Steichen's going to be a problem, man. He has wide you. open guys all the time. He's just He just sucks, guys. He does. He, does. he is not good. He's got I, happy I feet, agree with though. That. I'll hand a game ball to Tua. 
first quarterback, which thank you, by the way, from that one, Blankers. You want us a little bet on that. Two was the first quarterback to beat Bill Belichick five games in a row. Think about that. That's right. First quarterback ever to beat Bill Belichick five games in a row. That's not easy to do. I've been blown away with two in that offense. That, you know that, what, too, Jeremy, the more you look at it, it's not a Shanahan. I mean, it is. It, it's the epitome of a Shanahan offense, right? When I was watching it last night, the fact of the matter is he's taken a quick pop, pop, pop drop. And boom, gone, boom, gone, boom, gone. One, you keep him healthy and upright. Yep. But two, he can make those throws. And then when the defense is expecting that, he found ways and times where he could get enough time to take those shots down the field. And he doesn't have to do too much. But what he does is more than enough because he's a better thrower of the football yeah, than a lot of people gave him credit early on. He looks really good right now. Count me as one of those. He, he has convinced me that he is a really good thrower of the football. And you give him Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Mostert looks pretty good. A-Chain, I think, is going to be a factor by the end of the year. And Mike McDaniel's a really good coach. You see him he running really away is. from the camera? Yeah, yeah he's and so his, goofy. He's security guy, too, your <laughs> PR guy, whoever it was. He's so goofy. Who are you giving a game oh, ball my, to, My Mike? first one was easy. You want to talk about a d- disruptive force on the defensive side of the football? I mean, you better look at Micah Parsons. Because Micah Parsons looks like the defensive player of the year. Micah Parsons, for his weight to go, what, under 250 and just move offensive linemen and bull rush them and just do whatever he wants and wreak havoc on seemingly every single play, this dude is a one-man defensive wrecking crew. And with every play you watch him, you just kind of go, wow. And he's not that big, but he is so strong and he is so athletic. That dude's impressive. Yeah, Micah Parsons' numbers yesterday – were silly. Two sacks, hit the quarterback four times, three tackles for loss, and recovered a, f- a fumble. The dude's a beast. Micah Part and the Cowboys have looked really, really good. I wasn't sold on the Cowboys entering the year because the whole Mike McCarthy thing. Me too. That de- like that defense is just so good, though. Like that defense has looked so good. It looked competition, things like that. But I've been really impressed with Dallas, especially on the defensive side so and, far. And CD Lamb, by the way, could get also get a game ball. CD Lamb went up in traffic on one. Now, as a slight receiver, I don't expect CD Lamb to go into double coverage and pull down a football and take a big hit. But the fact that he was catching everything thrown his way, including balls like that, was extremely impressive. Yeah, that, uh, that looked really good. I want to hand one off. Or Joe, uh, Joe, do you have a game ball you want to – I know you're not going to give one to Justin Fields, but is there a game ball you want to hand out? Uh, Lamar Jackson. I, it wasn't like his best weekend ever, but he was really good again, I, I thought, in that Bengals game. That offense looks legit. You, you know, even without J.K. Dobbins, Gus Bus did pretty well. So I, I thought Lamar played great this weekend. He definitely gets mine. The Ravens' offense was one that I was very intrigued by coming into the year because, okay, you're going to have Lamar Jackson throw the football more. That's a bit scary. I've liked the way that he's thrown the football the first couple of weeks. I think the Todd Monken offense suits him a lot better than, frankly, I was going to give him credit for and then maybe more than some others give, or were going to give him credit for. I look at it and say Andrews comes back after missing week one against the Texans. He gets a touchdown. He spread the ball all over the place, and he still was getting yardage with his legs when he had to, when he needed to. And that's the difference. I think Jalen Hurts has made a conscious effort to get down a lot earlier and not even get to the point of contact. Lamar's still not afraid to get a little contact and elude them, make sure he doesn't take the big hit, but he'll get the extra yards with a little hit. He managed the entire game beautifully. And you can tell how much he loves having Zay Flowers and some of the guys that he has because their offense looks totally different. I love Zay yes, Flowers. I, know. I love Zay Flowers. I had a biggest crush on Zay Flowers and Jameer Gibbs uh, going into the draft. Todd, the show says, give, a, give me a game ball to second-half Daniel Jones. Look, I had people telling we, – we talked about this last week, too. Joe was like, is Daniel Jones the worst contract in the NFL? I had some buddies in the group chat. Daniel Jones, worst contract in the NFL. 
and then he pops off there in the second half and leads a comeback. Now, it wasn't against a great team, but it's nice to get a little comeback for, for Daniel Jones, and Vanilla Vic played pretty good in that second half and deserved a contract a little bit. He did, and with Saquon, Saquon getting hurt, they're saying it's a quote-unquote regular lower ankle sprain. I saw three to four weeks Three weeks is what ago, they're though. saying. Yeah, they're Two saying three. three weeks on a regular ankle sprain. But when he came off the field, I think every Giant fan held their breath like, oh, God, here we go again. I'll give you another one in the running back category, though. Bijan Robinson living up He's the billing. Nasty. He is so good. And watching him because they were playing the Packers. But that guy has so many different ways that he can beat you, and he's so elusive. He's only going to get better, but he looked really, really good last week again. Yeah, he was. he's really, really good. I'm going to take back uh, Josh Beard being on Bad Take Boulevard for saying that the Texans uh, could you know, improve over – uh, Damian Pierce, but I wouldn't have minded uh, little B. John Robbins. I, first, I don't know. I'm torn on that because I don't love the idea of going first-round running backs, but B. John Robinson's such a freak. He really is. He's such a freak. And he can catch the football so well, too. The thing is, is I saw people crapping all over Damian Pierce yesterday and saying everything from he's not a top-ten running back to the fact that they could have and should have done better. You can't judge him like that in week two with the offensive line that they have. No. Because when he did have even very, very small, minute windows, he's still a, a bull, uh, just a bull rush to knock you over that can get you, you know, four, four, five, four, five, five yards. He, he would power himself to, like, more expected yards than he was, like, supposed to get. But I don't think he's a top ten running back, though. I, no, I don't think he's in the top not top ten, ten but I, I don't think that you're – I think you're selling him really short by saying because he's not a top ten running back that he's not good and can't be effective in this league. I think he can totally be the number one running back for for a team in this league, and he can be effective. Ocho says, I deserve a game ball for claiming uh, Puka on all my fantasy teams. How, how did no, – yeah, you're playing in some bad fantasy leagues. If you got him in every single one, he popped off again. That guy's a freak. But, look, that's a top receiver in an L.A. Rams offense. Like, Cooper Cup did the same thing. Like, like Sean McVay. What's the kid from Notre going, Dame? Um, Tutu Atwell? No, no, for the Rams. The other guy that looks kind of like Cooper Cup. I think he, it's Tutu Atwell. No, it's, it's it, Skaronsky. Oh, Skaronsky. Yeah. You can make Skaronsky look good if the offense is clicking the right way. He, even he had some decent catches yesterday. But, I mean, look, there's a reason why everybody was all over McVay for a couple of years. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good offensive coach. The fact that he had them in that game yesterday with San Francisco with, like, the lack totally of talent. Agree. Like, they didn't even they, – they uh, healthy scratched their Cam Akers. Yep. Like, they're going with Kyron Williams. It's weird. I'll give a game ball to Josh Allen. Josh Allen, I was critical of he him rebounded. last week. And I'm not going to – I'm not going to take – I'm not going to backpedal off of that either. I don't think Josh Allen's going to be win a Super Bowl in his career. I don't think he's consistent enough. And we've seen it two weeks through the year. Josh Allen, terrible on Monday Night Football against the Jets. Yesterday against – Quite frankly, not a very good Raider team. I don't think they're a playoff team. He had a good game. 31-37, 274, three touchdowns, zero turnovers. I'll give a game ball to Josh Allen, but I don't expect him to do it week in, week out. No, I don't either, but I do, I do like I, – I appreciate the fact that he was able to take everything and put it on his shoulders in week one and then come out and show you who he really is this week. I mean, he came out and was the Josh Allen that we've known and expected to see every single week. Some veteran quarterbacks, through lack of reps and lack of preseason play, just don't look great early on in the season. I think he might have fallen victim to that, and no one wants to get Josh Allen hurt because when he does, if he does, that's it for the Bills. But I, I totally get get what you're saying there because in watching that game I looked at a Josh Allen that looked like he was in complete control the entire day. Geno Smith 32 of 41, 328, two touchdowns and a big win at Detroit. After they fell to 0-1, Detroit with a big win you're able to, to get that victory. Geno Smith was really good. And then my last one, Mike Evans. Six catches, 171 yards and a score. You mentioned Baker earlier. He's nothing without Mike Evans yesterday. Any more Joe? Joel? No, I think I'm good with those. Joe George? I'm good. 
All right, 713-780-ESPN. Astros played baseball over the week, mostly bad. There was some good. The good, bad, and the ugly from the Astros series at Kansas City. You lose a series on the road to one of the worst teams in baseball. We start with the bad and the ugly. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees broadcasting live from Apollo Men's Health in League City on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.